Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This will be a recruiting signing day lightning round type podcast. We're just going to run through it. We've, we've talked about the recruiting class, but, but since it is National Signing Day, even if it is an uneventful National Signing Day, uh, we're gonna we're gonna just knock out kind of some of the some of the key things to know about this class. Uh, Steve Lorenz, along with our whole team, all of our stuff can be read over at the MichiganInsider.com and Michigan.247Sports.com. But enjoy this 15-minute segment, kind of looking at the 2020 class with a teensy preview on 2021. Uh, perhaps we'll discuss it in a, in a future podcast later on this month. Steve, uh, uneventful signing day for for you is is that appreciated on your end that that this, this isn't the uh, Palooza, this isn't the crazy busy day that it used to be. Uh, no, I mean it's pretty much been boring since July. So true. Actually, kind of wish there was a little bit more going on than what there has been. I mean, they've pretty much had the same verbal commitment list since like the end of the summer like official visit period so um it's been incredibly boring so have they picked rather have a little bit of action yeah have they picked up just one recruit uh i think two what jalen harrell and gary and green warren oh yeah yeah, i think those are the two the two guys that they've gotten might be even missing somebody in there but it's really by and large you know it's the same class since july and also you know there was such a small group of guys that they were really even recruiting after that point in the cycle, you know, I mean, you get, you can only write so many uh, Theo Johnson <laughs> and Andrew Gentry updates for like four or five months. So, uh, yeah, probably the most boring cycle I've ever covered, but I'm assuming Michigan's probably happy that we were bored for so long because they had this thing locked up for a long time. The class is ranked number 11 in the country, number two in the Big Ten. We've talked about it. I, that's basically probably where they can expect to be until they find a way to win some of the games they're not supposed to win. They've been probably about the 11th best team in the country over the last five years, uh, depending on how you want to measure it. So uh, what are your thoughts on this class? What is the, what stands out to you? This is another class where they were evaluating guys early, kind of identifying their targets a little bit earlier than they used to. Uh, They've got a good amount of four stars. I think they have, um, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I believe. Uh, so I guess what stands out to you about the class? Uh, I mean, defensive versatility again. I mean, it's the second straight cycle. I feel like they've kind of diversified. You know, this particularly though in the back side of things. You know, I know Chris Partridge gone now, but just they have completely flipped their their safety recruiting the last two cycles. I think it was a spot that used to be, I don't know, more of a high ceiling kind of guy, but not a lot of polish. Uh, they've reversed that the last two. You know, we talked about Daxon Hill being the obvious candidate, but this cycle with, with Makari Page, Morant, who might maybe move up a little bit, uh, would rather probably move up before he'll move back. And then uh, who's R.J. Moten being the other one, uh, all four-star prospects, mm-hmm. all had national offers, uh, you know, all big-time type players. So uh, that's the biggest thing for me. A lot of coverage-type guys. Yeah, I think Moten is a guy that could make some plays in coverage. You had Andre Seldon, who really uh, is going to carry the chip on his shoulder all the way through early enrollee, all the way into fall camp, and I think is a guy who's going to play right away in a nickel-type situation. So, you know, I thought they did a good job in, in building more coverage-type, uh, bringing in more coverage-type players and, and, you know, diversifying 
you know, a lot more of the athlete types too, the William Mohan types, uh, you know, guys that they can use in different types of packages. Jalen Harrell, we already mentioned him. So, uh, you know, guys I think they feel like they can use in a lot of different packages. But but I think they're at a high, little bit of a higher level maybe than they had before in certain spots in that area. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the rankings. Now, the rankings, you know, they are what they are, and, and Michigan certainly has shown that it can do – if it has a guy that it likes, it doesn't really matter where they're ranked. But I've noticed – uh, not just so that not only do they have a lot of four stars, they don't have they only have one recruit outside the top five ten, and that's Dan Valari, who's someone that I mean, if you go watch his film, uh, I think you can you can see why Michigan saw him as a as a good second option after JD Johnson's injury. I I don't know. Did you notice anything different in terms of? Uh, I mean, everyone's in the top five ten except for the quarterback, and that was a late quarterback addition. Any is that a concerted change or is that just kind of how things shook out with different different prospects? I feel like in the past sometimes they took guys and and they have, they only have one other offer or they're I mean now Ronnie Bell and Hassan Haskins are two of those guys, but it seemed like these are more they're they're more in that mix between like the one fifty and five hundred range. Is that anything to read into there? A uh, better job of not taking early commitments from guys that they shouldn't take early commitments from. I think you remember the satellite camp days yep. where they were basically giving away verbal commitments to guys that they probably could have waited a long time on. Uh, it still happened. It still has happened. It happened a couple times in this class, I would say, but uh, by and large, a little bit less than it used to. Also, the other thing, I mean, yeah, a lot of top, like like you said, like within the top 500 or whatever, the thing, the other thing too, though, sort of, I don't know if it's like related or not, but something I kind of think about reminds me of the 18 cycle. I mean, this is a, a better class rankings wise than 18 was, but kind of reminiscent and like a lot of early commitments and a lot of those guys, even on our site, I never really thought got reevaluated after they committed or at least reevaluated closely. So a lot of the rankings for a lot of these guys kind of stayed static. You know, guys like Aaron Lewis, Mohan, another one, uh, the kids at St. Francis. Never really got like a second look. Uh, I think Michigan probably, I would argue, I mean, they probably say this anyway, but I think they feel a lot of the guys are maybe should be ranked higher than they are. Blake Corum, uh, mm-hmm. perfect example in that situation. Uh, so, no, I mean, better evaluate, my evaluations may be more in line with, uh, with what our ranking people like do. But like I said, also just less of the, why are you taking this guy in? you know, nine months away from signing day when you could probably offer him the day of signing day if you really want him right. and still get him, you know. So uh, so they've, they've done a better job, I guess, of lessening those uh, scenarios and situations. But uh, also, like, a, yeah, maybe just more in line with what our guys and what evaluators from other sites kind of thing. Okay. Uh, among this list, I mean, there are eight early enrollees and then 15 more who have signed who who should fans know right now in terms of they're they're going to be battling for a two deep spot in spring or or in the summer and then and then you'll probably see their name. I mean, obviously you've mentioned Blake Corum already. Andre Selden seems like someone who could who could fight for a job or at least a, a backup job. Braden McGregor's the the highest ranked recruit in the class. Actually, AJ Henning is, but those two uh, defensive end and wide receiver respectively. You know, someone like um, like Roman Wilson. We've talked about it before. Four three seven forty. Hard to keep that off the field. Who are, who are some of the names that that stand out to you as potential year one impact guys? You know, I wouldn't write off Makari Page. You know, what, what I think. Did we talk about pod about safety 
Like they're they're they look good at the very top, but they're maybe like an injury away from yeah, all of a sudden second, maybe looking. The second tier might not be quite as strong as, well, as yeah, just because the the youth, right? I mean, they're because I think there's opportunity at that spot for for one or two of these guys to maybe step up. I mean, Quentin Johnson, we don't know yet what's gonna if if he's gonna be a guy. Uh, we haven't we've seen some of Sammy Faustin. You know, we expect what Hawkins and Hill at the top. Uh, but so I think for a guy like Page who is, who's coming in early, I think there's an opportunity there for him uh, to make potentially make an impact. Uh, Moten when he enrolls in the summer, same kind of deal. So I mean, those are a couple other guys. You know, same with Viper. You know, we've always heard a lot of good things about Michael Barrett, uh, but Mohan I think is the guy that a lot of people are going to mm-hmm. pick as sort of the sleeper because of that athleticism that he has and and playing it in Brooklyn, which not. You know, Erasmus Hall is a very good high school program, but it's never a place where, like I said, I don't think people, uh, they're not evaluated as heavily. You know, I know they've, again, I know they've had some guys, they had Curtis Samuel, they had, uh, I think Matthew, was it Matthew Jones, I think also went to Ohio State. Okay. Uh, but still, I think he's a guy that's kind of been slept on just, you know, regionally or just because of where he's from. So uh, he's another potential guy in that regard. But yeah, I kind of look at safety. It's going to be tough for the receivers. You know, even with Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black out, I, you know, I do think Henning is a guy, I think, again, I think we mentioned this in the pod about uh, special teams. You know, with Sainra still and, and Jackson taking on bigger roles in the receiving game this year, he could be a spot where Henning could kind of do what those guys did last year uh, and then maybe try to make an impact in the return game. So uh, he's always he's just explosive enough to be a potential guy, like might be one of those like too good to keep him completely off right. the field type deal. Right. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're pretty deep at a lot of other spots. Uh, you know, I think it's like the D line guys they brought in. I think it's going to be tough for those guys to crack immediately. Uh, offensive line, especially, another one, especially. You know, I mean, the guys they signed six this year, and and none of them really cracked a legitimate two. I think Carpenter probably by the end, but uh, you know, so pretty deep across the board at this point. It's more just sort of that process now for a lot of these guys, which again, I think is another reason why they always feel comfortable with their evals as far as like guys who maybe aren't that highly ranked because they're looking two or three years down the road, not uh, 2020 for some of these guys. Okay. So with that, looking at the 2021 class, I know you've mentioned to me before uh, without Partridge, without Campanelli, uh, the Northeast ties are, I mean, Don Brown's still there and they'll, they'll still have ties to the Northeast, but might might be an opportunity to go to other states. You've mentioned California and Texas, two schools where there isn't a preeminent power right now. And could they could they tap in? Uh, I think you said Texas had forty four four stars uh, in in this year's class. So even if you can get three or four of them, uh, that's that's a big deal. I guess looking geographically, heading toward twenty one, uh, and some of the key targets to keep in mind. What 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 would be your brief preview? of the 2021 class. They've already got a couple top 100 recruits, uh, J.J. McCarthy, and then uh, I forget the young man's name uh, from from Florida State. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess guess, what do you see in that 2021 class? Well, so the other other flip side of that is outside the national, this is like one of the better in-state classes Mm -hmm. I can remember, and we're seeing what's going on in East Lansing, uh, and that's why I kind of think D'Antonio being let go is like not a good thing for Michigan recruiting-wise. Not that it's like horrible, but like, Michigan and Michigan State were not competing for the same level of recruits the last couple cycles, uh, outside of a few guys, like not what it used to be. So, uh, you know, the, the in-state class is really, really good. They'll have to fight off. It's more Ohio State and Notre Dame now than it is Michigan State uh, for some of those guys. And then, yeah, I mean, I, 
yeah, I've said it, I don't know how many times about California. Uh, you know, USC's in, in the crapper. Uh, UCLA under Chip Kelly hasn't done anything. Oregon has taken full advantage of that mm-hmm. situation. I think with Harbaugh's ties down there and with Michigan having such a huge alumni base in the L.A. area, I think it's a spot they need to hit harder. Uh, they hit it decent again in the, in the winter eval. This was more Texas and Florida with uh, the new assistant. Uh, Gene Mary. Gene, yeah. yeah, yeah. They did a lot in Texas and a ton in Florida uh, this last evaluation period. So I think you know his experience there will help them in, in those areas. Because, yeah, I mean, even Florida, you know, Florida's had a good year. Uh, or Florida looks like they're building something with Dan Mullen, but Florida State's rebuilding. Uh, Miami, who ironically just beat Florida for like a top 50 guy like 10 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> is also under Manny Diaz has not proven anything. You know, so a few of those hot spots across the country are, are not right for the taking. But like you said, in Texas, it's not like Michigan needs to get five or six guys. Like if you can find like two or three that you really like and you, and you can get, uh, I would consider that success. So. Yeah, they have a great foundation. I mean, I'm not a big, like, recruits recruiting other recruits type person, but McCarthy is a noteworthy guy that other national kids are aware of, especially offensively, who I think could maybe, you know, I don't know if a kid's ever going to commit because McCarthy is committed, but I think it's one of those deals where it's it's not going to hurt at all. Uh, and so they're off to a good start. I mean, well, it's, well, it's what, two more? I don't know. Did Henning end in the top 100? I don't know. But, 101, uh, they yeah. Two. Yeah, so they have two. They already have two more top 100 guys verbally committed than they had total uh, in 2020. So good foundation, like you said, still going to come down to what they do on the field uh, again, as it always does. I know this cycle it ended quickly, uh, and that the on the field didn't hurt them as far as losing guys. But you always wonder could they have gotten a few more guys that they really wanted, or that they could have made runs at if they had won a few big games this year. So. You know, there's always that aspect of it as well. Yeah, so, yeah. The big high, high ceiling, though. Very high ceiling for 2021. One of the better ceilings early on, I can remember, just because of the foundation they have. It's a very, very deep in-state class. And, yeah, I think there's opportunities in some national areas where they can make an impact. Well, there you have it. There's from Steve Lorenz looking at the 2021 class. In addition to plenty to know about the 2020 class, uh, there'll be lots of opportunities for recruiting. We'll, we'll keep monitoring this 2021 class as it goes on. And, of course, we'll have spring updates on how the 2020 recruits are doing. But um, with that, that was our signing day uh, special. It's a shorter podcast than usual, but but certainly feel like we covered all the bases and everything everything you need to know. Um, you can, you know, if you aren't a recruiting head, this is a quick, easy-to-digest way to, to, to know what you need to know. And then kind of preview preview 2021 class so for steve lorenz i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24-7 podcast check out all of our stories at the michiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com hope you had fun hope you learned something Uh, we'll see you next time